0: Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On well, in Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministries to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. I'm your host, Mike Salley, and I thank you for joining us. A few weeks ago, I made a presentation to the National Coalition of Ministry of Men organization on one of of their bi-monthly conference calls, and the episode is a result of that conversation. My guest uh, reached out to me to discuss some of my presented items, and through this conversation, I invited him to join me on this podcast, and I believe this will be an interesting conversation that he and I will have today, and I hope you will enjoy it and share it with your friends. My guest is Jerry Hancock. Now, Jerry is the Executive Director of Men in Balance, It's a ministry that has changed lives, saved marriages, and deepened spiritual roots and reconnected men to themselves and their families by bringing a saving balance to their life. Men who have attended their Wolf at Door series, which helps men deal with unemployment and the impact of the economic downturn, find solace that other men are facing similar circumstances. Men in Balance is currently developing a Boys in Balance website, and a program to help boys deal with pressures they encounter as they learn to become men in today's society. Jerry is retired and has been married to Emmy for 31 years, and, and they have two daughters. He is the author of How to Become a Man in Balance: Ten Lessons for Men and The Best of Men in Balance. So, man, Jerry, you, since you retired, you have been uh, kind of kind of busy, you know. Yep. And and just thank you, thank you for joining me on the program, man. I appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mike. Good to be here. I always like to talk about men's issues. I've, that's my passion.
0: Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's mine, too. And uh, there's things I love to talk about and help out and help men to understand uh, how to be the men God created them to be. I think so, all of us struggle with that. I mean, not every man has um, has got, the, so, so to speak, the, the, the answer to all his issues and all his problems. He has to learn from each other and especially learn what God has to say about men in the Bible. And, and so it's, it's it's great to have men like you that can touch men where uh, myself and others cannot. So appreciate it. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. I always ask my guests a couple of questions as we get started. Uh, that's to help us get to know you a little bit better and see what God's speaking into your life to some, to some extent. But one of, the, one of the verses, one of the questions I have for you is your life verse or your favorite verse or verse that is so meaningful to you. Maybe it's your anchor verse for the ministry that uh, you're currently in. So what what is that verse? Maybe you have a couple of verses. So so could you share that with us?
1: Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, I think it comes from John 5, 8, where Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation." Is intimate and organic. This is coming from the message, by the way. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature
0: as my disciples. Hmm. So, what is that verse? What is that? How does that verse so meaningful to you? What? Why is it there?
1: Well, you know, I've found throughout my life that um, we all have a tendency to get proud and conceited, and we think we can do everything on our own. This this, this <laughs> reminds me. I can't, <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me I can't do very much on my own, and, and my wife tells me the same thing. But <laughs> but you know, it, it's so true. It's um, uh, I, I can tell you when I. I've had times in my life where I've drifted away from God or felt like I was detached from God. I I, I just wasn't productive. This, this makes me productive. Hmm. Gracious. Gracious.
0: Well, Jerry, when did you see your need to, for Christ in your life and and that he, uh, that he is the, you know, the way, the truth, and the life, that, uh, that none of us can come to the father except through him. When did God pierce your heart, the Holy Spirit touch your life and, and uh, you recognize that need.
1: Well, I wish I could tell you that it was, uh, you know, after a life of depravity and I came in late. But, but actually, I was raised in the church and my, my next door neighbor was the pastor and I was, I, I was a captive audience. But um, I, by the time I was uh, eight or 10 years old, I was actually preaching in the little church that we lived in, I came uh, lived close to. And, um, How old you say? eight or ten, ten, twelve. I
0: 12. Oh my I, gracious. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, um, like I said, I was a captive audience to my minister friend next door. And, um, so I was, I was sort of encouraged to become saved at, uh, 11, 12 years old. And of course I did that. And, but, but by that time I'd already been preaching <laughs> a couple of years. <laughs> so, uh, so my career as a preacher, uh, you know, it was nice to get saved after I started my career. But, but anyway, you know, that was that was a forming part of my life. I mean, getting to stand in front of a church audience, trembling like a leaf in the wind. But, um, you know, reading the scripture and praying and pre- preaching what I felt like uh, was the right thing to be saying.
0: Mm, that's good. You know, you made a point. Yeah, and and I want to make sure I heard you correctly, uh, talking about um, you started preaching at the eight, nine, ten years of age, but it was 13, I think you said 13 years of age before you really came to, to the understanding of saving grace of God. And I wonder how many adult pastors we have, uh, pastoring churches that don't have that intentional relationship with Jesus Christ, that, that they're truly not saved either. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, have possible. you had any? In your ministry, have you come across any of that kind of situation?
1: Well, certainly I've come across some who felt, uh, who like the scripture said, felt like to me they were deadwood. But, um, you know, uh, I I think, Mike, the saving grace in all this is that we all have dry periods. Every mm-hmm. prophet in the Bible has had those dry periods. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus told us we'd have dry periods where, we might not feel as close as we should. And fortunately he's there. It's, it's, we haven't changed. I mean, it's not, he's changed. We've changed. Mm. And, um, you know, all we got to do is get back on the track. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I know, I know I can, I can attest to that. There's been, uh, I came to Christ when I was 17 years of age and uh, uh, I'm 67 now. And there's been, uh, times in, the, in those all those years that I've had those dry spells myself. And uh, sometimes he, he, he will do certain things that really will get your attention. to help you to understand where you're at yeah. and uh, and pull you back. So we've all gone through it. And there's no doubt in my mind that many pastors are going through those too. Well, when uh, Mother Teresa said she had dry spells, that made me feel a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. Well, let's talk about Men in Balance a little bit. How did Men in Balance come about? How did that ministry start? And what prompted you to to do this? Well, I, w- I was um,
1: at the church where I attend now, which uh, I've been there 30-some years. But um, I was attending the men's ministry, which was basically a non-event. I mean, it was a bunch of guys getting together and shooting the bull, but there was no ministry associated with it having breakfast together and all of that. But um, what I noticed was these guys didn't talk about anything substantive. They really made an effort to stay away from anything substantive. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I wanted a group where men would talk substance from the, from the get go, from the time they walked in, it was designed so that we have to talk about real stuff. Um, And so (laughs) It was really weird. I went to my pastor and talked to him about it. He said, it's a great idea. I already had the name, Men in Balance. He liked that. Um, and then he said, I've got a, a lawyer friend who can do your uh, nonprofit status, and I've got an accountant who will help you with the bookkeeping, and I think you ought to do it. So all, all of a sudden, I was printing letterhead and sending out letters to people, you know, trying to get a little bit of seed money to get started, and it
0: took off. Well, that's super. That's great. You know, that you made a comment there about um, uh, your men's ministry at your local church was really nothing more than gatherings. I, I, don't you see that in a lot of churches? I mean, no, one way too much. Of, yeah, one of the things I do in, in, in ministry is um, i a men's ministry consultant. And and uh, when I sit back to go into a church or I reserve a church or, or speak to their men's leaders, pastors, and I ask them what they're doing in their men's ministry, a lot of times their answers are, well, we know we have a monthly Prayer breakfast, or a monthly breakfast, where we get together, or or we go out as uh, some other kind of outing, or or maybe they do put their hands and feet to work and they do something uh, for the community. But very rarely do you hear any discussion about helping men to deal with their issues of day to day life and to grow deeper in their faith with God. Wouldn't you say that's the case in a lot of a lot of churches?
1: It's sadly true, and 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 I think. To be honest, sometimes ministers uh, become an unwilling partner in that. Just by not forcing the issue, they'll let guys get by, talking light stuff and not getting into the heavier stuff. And they don't even ask them, you know, about their faith or about their faith journey. And um, and I just think that's wrong. I think guys are hungry for that. They just, you know, people told me when I started this. Well, lots of luck, Jerry, but you won't get guys to open up and talk in these meetings of yours. And I said, well, I'm going to try. And actually, what I found is if I can get them there, they're all too willing to talk. Oh, yeah. They've been looking for a place they could open up.
0: Oh, yeah. I think think what happens is a lot of times is uh, uh, we men feel like we're the only ones that's going through that particular issue. And we're kind of embarrassed. You know, that's not a manly term to say. But we're kind of embarrassed or intimidated to make a make a comment about um, an issue that we're struggling with. And uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, it's kind of like the old saying that somebody said one time, you know, when they found out they heard somebody was dealing with a particular struggle and they finally look at me, and say, uh, you too? You know, yeah, right. and, and so and so we do, I, you know, in the in the intro, I made the comment about uh, but your Wolf at Door series was health deal, men deal with unemployment and impact economic downturn. There's so many of our men out there who are struggling to find work or and they're seriously trying to find work and, they haven't, and, and they're having a difficult time. I know I was mentoring a young man who uh, over, for over a year, he was putting in applications and he was having a hard time finding a job that could sustain and, uh, and he was struggling. And uh, how, do, how do we deal with people like that? How do, how do you minister to those kind of guys? Well, you know what I have found,
1: if you let the group take control, they will take it where it needs to go. I don't need to be you know, heavy handed and trying to lead them somewhere. Um, and in these cases, once you get guys talking about being out of a job and the difficulties of uh, being unemployed, they'll start opening up and talking about it themselves and sharing what they've learned and how little tips that they picked up on how to, you know, write a resume or go to an interview or whatever. And it's just amazing. God's at work in those meetings, you know, I'm just the, I'm just the plumbing. I'm the pipeline. And uh, I try to stay out of the way and let them talk. And, you know, if they get off subject, I'll bring them back in. But I'm, I'm amazed at how, much men want to talk and will share with each other. That's just the biggest uh, revelation to me.
0: Mm. Well, you know, the scriptures out there, the Bible says the two is better than one because they bring a greater reward for their labor. And then it goes on and says that, um and if one falls down there's another there's lifting him up and and woe to the man or pity the man depending on the translation you look at it says uh, pity the man who doesn't have somebody to pick him up like that and we need yeah. men in our lives like that in your groups how many men do you typically have in a group
1: well um let me say, <laughs> let me say this um when i started the thing i i just wanted to get two or three guys together and so i did that and the group grew then i started offering it to other churches and the, the sad news is <clears throat> that i didn't bother to keep tabs of how many churches were using the materials so i've probably got 50 or 100 churches out there using the materials but i don't know who they are and i didn't unfortunately keep up with them in those early days but uh the groups the best sized group is probably six to eight to ten guys um, when you get much larger than that, people don't get a chance to say as much. I have had groups as large as 100, but they, they break into smaller groups for the discussion part.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you discuss anything in particular, or do you just let the oh, guys just open up and share whatever's on yeah, their heart? Yeah, we've
1: got a, a pretty definite curriculum. Uh, and the, the curriculum. when I say curriculum, what I mean is we have a subject that we're going to talk about each time. Uh, the main subjects that we deal with are the things that trip up men, like marriage and career, uh, sex and intimacy and family life and um, finding meaning in life. Those are the topics that, that we tend to focus on. And and heaven knows under any of one of those topics, you could find 10 or 12 different um, classes, if you wanted to call them that. But um, again, I I don't try to structure it too much. I let the men take it where they want to go. And what I find is men are very interested in marriage and in strengthening their marriage. Mm. They have um, had ups and downs in their marriage. They don't know how to handle the wife's upsets. Uh, They feel like she's so much better at communicating than them. And they're a little bit intimidated with her ability to put words together and say what she means. Plus, they're not used to coming out with um, what's on their mind, you know, unless they're drawn out. And um, so it's tough for them. A marriage situation is tough for men. And and I use that as a sort of a vehicle to get into their spiritual side because, you know, what is true about men is the wife is probably the uh, only, in some cases, but certainly the major source of uh, spiritual encouragement and that's a big burden to put on a woman you know we need to share that with other men amen so you've got a woman who's trying to be all of that to a man in addition to being you know partner and everything that's that's a big request
0: Oh well, man, I mean that—that that, that is true. And that's the reason why we men need to have another man in our in our lives, so somebody there that can help us and walk through us, somebody we could talk to, that could call two o'clock in the morning if we need to, and and because uh, let's face it, let's face it, yeah, you, you're you're true in what you say. Our wives can communicate better than we can, and uh, and we have a hard time with that sometimes uh, for various reasons. But um, but it's it's always good to have that man in your life that you can just reach out to and just unload on uh, because he will understand more, much better about some of the, some of the things that you're thinking through and your processes and how it's bothering you more than your wife will, because she's right. looking at from a, from a woman's standpoint and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that we, let's face it, men and women are different. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, what I learned is
1: that women have sort of a built in network. You know, you put two women together, uh who haven't met before and it, all of a sudden in 10 minutes they knew everything about each other they're talking over each other they can't wait to get the next chance to speak uh, you put two men together for a weekend and they still don't know much about it <laughs> you know, um
0: but it, i bet we, you I know, I know i bet you they can tell you what uh what shot they're using when they're out hunting and what, uh, yeah. what fly they're using on, yeah. the, on the, on the reel when they're out fishing, they do yeah. that kind of stuff. real I easy. Get
1: that. <laughs> um, Here's a little story that happened in one of my sessions, which just blew my mind. Um, this couple, the guy was in my session. He was saying that he and his wife had been out to dinner the night before with another couple. Actually, they ate dinner at the house with the couple. Um, and so after dinner, the guys sort of drifted out in the garage and the women got in the kitchen cleaning up and so forth. And on the way home, his wife said, uh, so what'd you guys talk about in out there in the garage? He said, Oh, nothing, you know, just (laughs) usual stuff. Then she said, well, did he tell you they're getting a divorce? And he said, no, he didn't mention anything about that. She said, well, that's all we talked about, you know, so it's just the difference in the way men and women, um, come forward with information and share. And and I think men are so much poorer for the fact that they don't have uh, natural confidants like that uh, that they can talk to.
0: Oh, yeah. I agree. Well, Jerry, in your goings about the men you've talked to and, and uh, uh, counseling that you've done, uh, what do you think is, I know you mentioned marriage a minute ago, but what do you think is the biggest issue men struggle with today? And the diet culture. You know what? I uh,
1: I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm putting men down, and I don't mean to do that at all. But I think men are so taught from the time they are toddlers that they've got to be independent and do everything for themselves that they pretty much get confident that they can do everything for themselves. So when they need help, they don't know where to go. They, they refuse to go to counseling. They refuse to hear the feedback from their wife. They refuse to hear the uh, feedback from their pastor when if they have a session with him. Um, and it's tough. And 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 as a result of that, they wind up with a blind spot about how strong their marriage really is and what issues are really on their wife's mind. And I've had uh, five or six counseling sessions over the last couple of weeks with guys who's all of whom said the same thing. My wife left me and I don't understand why. And then I get to drilling down. And of course she's talked to them numerous times about her, their problems, but um, they didn't pay attention. And so now she's gone and they don't know what to do. And um, you know, that's sad, isn't it? I mean, that you don't pick up on the clues enough to be able to keep this marriage together.
0: It is. I know I know in my career that I was doing before this, um, I was working in a very high-stressed atmosphere, and guys were working many hours out of the week. And when I say many hours, I'm talking about like 70, 80 hours every week. <clears throat> and they would always say, I'm doing this for my family. Yeah. And they'll end up missing some key moments, especially of their children's lives. And he's never, he wasn't there, but he always looked at it. I'm there providing for him. And then when his wife tells him all of a sudden, I'm leaving you, or their children don't want to have anything to do with him or not have a great relationship with him when he they're older, he don't understand it. And I often tell these guys when they become come to me and share with me, I said, they don't care about all the stuff. Yeah, they'd like to have it. Yeah, they, yeah they're, they're saying I'd like to have a new this, new that. And I said, but what it really boils down to, they, they're wanting you. They're yep. just wanting you and have that relationship with you. And, and we, we miss that so often uh, in helping us to understand that when we were growing up, being, did, and being mentored a, and taught like that. I did an interview with
1: Bob McKillop, who's the um, coach at Davidson College, who's on a 15-game winning streak, by the way, which is not bad. Um, and he said, people define love as T-I-M-E, time. Time. if you give them time they understand that is love and he said it's true for your wife and your kids and for even you know casual relationships how much time you're willing to give and you know somehow we got us get to thinking that work is more important than the time we need to be at home really sitting down and listening to our wife or, or trying to comfort her it, it, I, you know, if I could change anything about the world, I would change that the way we are conditioned so early on as men to uh, act a certain way and to be tough and, you know, resilient and independent and have all these good qualities like that. But we would miss out on the, the personal stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and it's interesting that the Bible kind of teaches that because if you go in the Old Testament and you can talk about the sins of the fathers and the sins of everything, it talks about going on into the third and the fourth and generations and carrying it on. And we need to break that chain sometime um, because, you know, if we sit back and we think about it, a lot of times, um, whether it's good or bad, whatever the case may say, a lot of time us men, we behave, we raise our families the same way we saw our dads doing it. Yeah. And uh, and so and, and I'm not saying dads are bad. Don't get me wrong with yeah. that because, but it, it's just a it's just a a process that's been developed, like you said, in the men. This is the way we do it, and and that needs to be broken. That needs to be broken and help them to understand themselves as the as the spiritual leaders of their home, and uh, and that they're supposed to be there for their families. Give them that time.
1: When we were talking earlier about the topics that Men in Balance covers, the first one is actually fatherhood. And if I could tell you how many groups I go into and I've been into some large church groups, and every time I'll ask them the question, How many of you men had a good working relationship with your father? And almost nobody raises their hand. And if mm-hmm. I say how many of you had sort of a troubled relationship or worse with your father, most of them raise their hand. So you're right. That's where it starts. And that's that sets us on a path that is not going to be helpful. I, my, my father died when I was nine years old. And, you know, if he had lived, I would be a very different person right now. Fortunately, I had a brother-in-law who sort of took me under his wing as a brother and and really showed me what being a man was about. And I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and, and you say, I've got some, somewhat of a similar, so my dad died when I was 14, yeah. and uh, you know, we had a father-son, pretty good father-son relationship you know, when he was alive, because we did a lot of things together, especially fishing, he was a big fisherman, and he'd always take me fishing, we'd, we'd have a great time together, some of my f- most finest moments, well, see him waking me up at four thirty five o'clock in the morning so we can go out on the surf and surf fish for several hours and, and cook breakfast on the beach and all that kind of stuff. That's some great memories I Ooh, have. Perfect. But, but he died when I was 14 and there was nobody, nobody to step into that that role for me to understand in my teen years what it really meant to be a man. So so over those next several years uh, I really struggled and uh, and I always felt like I was a little bit behind my peers because I didn't have that father figure in my life during some of those formative years and and that's so important for us to have those kinds of individuals well it is important that you know uh,
1: even as a junior high high school student uh, at Christmas when we'd be on vacation from school we'd come back and to school and I would hear these people saying things about what their father did over Christmas for all of them and what gifts their father gave them. And I'm thinking, man, do you realize how lucky you are to have a father? That's right. That's right. Um, It's just, it's just something that, that hole that that leaves in you, Mike, is something most people don't understand.
0: No, they don't. And, and I can, I can relate with you in a lot of ways. And I'm thankful that you had somebody to step in and, and kind of be that Fogger figure but I didn't have that individual and I struggled in a lot of ways. And the interesting thing is, is that I raised my family for what I remember about daddy doing when he was alive. And so I did that for a long time too. I, I understand uh, there is a different way to do that. Yeah. Not to say he was a bad dad. He was not a bad dad, but no stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Yeah. But he was, uh, but from a spiritual standpoint, uh, he lacked a lot of training also. And yeah. and it took, it took some time for me to do that.
1: That's, that's why the work you and I are doing is so important. I mean, we've yeah. got to get guys to understand that they can liberate themselves from that. Uh, they can, pick up wherever they are and change the way they're doing things. They can uh, become a spiritual partner with their wife and really raise a family the, the way it should be, et cetera. I mean, there's just so much to be
0: gained. Hmm. Well, Jerry, when you go into churches and you talk to church leaders, and this was a little bit about my presentation that I did a few weeks ago with the uh, NCMM group. What are some of the things you see churches need to be doing better to, to reach their men?
1: Well, as I told you, I was so fascinated with your talk uh, because you talked so much about the, David Morrow's book about do men hate going to church? Because I, right now, I don't find very much at church that men can really relate to. Uh, it's even the decor is effeminate. It's uh, uh, it's all led by women, and for the most part, the topics are female of, inter- of interest to females. That I mean, I'm exaggerating, of course, but it, there's just not as much there for men. And yet, I try to tell pastors, you know, do you understand that these are the potential leaders of your church? These are the folks that are uh, giving you money and to make all these programs possible. And yet, we have very little for them, other than the finance committee or or the parking lot attendants. <laughs> you know, we don't have much to offer men. And, um, and and you can look at the offerings in the church, and they're just uh, the brochures are there for everything but men.
0: You're right. You're right. You're right. I couldn't help but think in the last couple of weeks I was sitting in church and and I, I, you know, I, I, I pay attention to a lot of things that's going on these days when I'm sitting in a church somewhere to, because to see how it would relate or how it would connect with a man. And I couldn't help but think of some of the songs we were singing in the last few weeks. You know, we're really more feminine in nature in so many cool. ways. There was nothing wrong with the songs. The songs were, were on target as far as the theology, theology or the doctrine aspect of it, but it was being sung from like a feminine standpoint, or the words were being being put together from a feminine standpoint. It's men don't talk like that. No, <laughs> men no. just don't talk like that, you know. No. <laughs> so, well,
1: I learned this early on when I started running these uh, small groups, that I can't come down hard on men and tell them how they're doing things wrong because they've already gotten tons of that home <laughs> and elsewhere, you know. And so what I try to do, and, and it's worked so far, is I try to just let them talk about whatever's on their mind. And, right. and, and, and here's the interesting thing, Mike. In most of those cases, I never mention God, but they do almost immediately. And once they do, then we're on to a conversation about spirituality and, and the scriptures and everything else. And it's okay to talk about whatever. But I try to be the last one to do that to give them the chance to bring that up because they are thinking that. They just haven't had a place where they could, you know, open up and talk about that. And, and what the biggest question is, how am I doing with my wife and how is
0: God looking at me? If you can ask you, how do, how do they usually bring God into the subject matter? How do they bring God into the conversation?
1: Well, they'll talk about um, something their wife said or something the pastor said that, that caught their attention or they didn't understand or they felt like was a little bit uh, too hard on men or whatever. And they'll bring that up for discussion. And then all of a sudden we're off and running. And it, it takes almost nothing to get guys. To, let me back up. When we talk in these Small groups. I have never had it happen that we went more than about ten minutes before somebody's talking about God or spirituality or their faith or whatever. That's just amazing to me, and and, and it's not me that's bringing it up. That's the cool thing. Mm. What do you think that is? Well, I, again, I go back to the fact that I think there's a t- tremendous hunger in men for their uh, from their soul. They're dry. They're, they feel like. They've had, they have very little coming their way to uh, nurture them, and uh, and anything, any crumb that they can get that, uh, yeah. that sort of helps uh, soothe that. I think they're interested in. So you know, when men, when people tell me that men aren't interested in church or men aren't interested in uh, having group conversations, I say you you don't live where I live because uh, I've just never.
0: Yeah. That's that's interesting. And and it's neat because, you know, a lot of times when we do these things, uh getting men together to talk, um, it, it it's strange how some of the things some of the things they will talk and if they if you do bro- broach a sub- certain subject matter, they, they they sometimes will bring God into us somehow, mm-hmm. even in work, even in work. If, if you're at work somewhere and you're talking to them about issues men are dealing with, sooner or later, God's going to come up. The, the and you said, something,
1: up. you said something earlier that's really important. I want to go back to it because you sure. said once they find that uh, other men have the same issues, that's what makes it work. Once oh, they. Yeah. They hear other guys saying, "Yeah, I've experienced that. Yeah, I've wondering that too." Uh, you know, they then they feel comfortable. They know they're in the right place because uh, you know other guys are opening up too.
0: Oh yeah, you know, uh, years ago, Barno Research and, and some other researchers did did uh, did uh, some surveys, and um, it was captured in um, Pat Morley's book. Well, I should say Man in Miracles is actually three different authors on that book. Uh, captured in that book, in, in the book, um, No Man Left Behind, where they talked about out of every 10 men in church. And they were talking about men in the church. Mm-hmm. where They were talking about nine, you know, nine out of 10 men will have children who will grow up in the church, but then will leave the church. They will become the duns, so to speak. They're done with church. They don't want yeah. to have nothing to do with it anymore. Uh, eight men will be dissatisfied with their jobs. Six men will struggle, you know, struggle financially. Five men will go through divorce, Uh, excuse me, five men will have a problem with pornography and four men will go through a divorce. And, uh, and, uh, and one man out of that 10, we'll kind of have a biblical worldview of what's going on. And that was 10 years plus ago, that statistic. Yeah. And I'm sure it's much worse today. Yeah. And I can relate with some of that stuff because I'm one of those men who worked in a job for many years and I was not happy in my job. So I relate to that. But the point is, we put on that face of everything's okay. Yeah. What's, what's, what's that what's that most popular word men like to say when we, when we gather together with somebody, how things going, man, how you doing?
1: (laughs) And the next question is, what do you do for a living? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, well, I'm fine, man. And, uh, and then I talk about my job. That's correct. Right. So So,
1: we did a survey right after I started men in balance. uh, And this was all church going men. And I asked them some really deep troubling questions. But the results of the survey said, men feel like they're just going through the motions at church. They don't feel oh, yeah. like they're getting fed spiritually like they want to. They don't feel like they treat their wives well. They don't know how to talk to their wives about important issues. Um, they, they're not sure their children respect them or that they're parenting you know the children in the right way. Um, they don't think see themselves as the spiritual leader of the family. And I said, well, then who is, you know, um, but it's, it's just, a, and you, you look at that list of questions and you realize men are a mess. I mean, they're really struggling. And, um, <laughs> and so I think anything you and I could do or any, any other men's, uh, resource can do is just,
0: um, yeah. really valuable. It is, it is interesting. It is interesting. Um, well, Jerry, we're coming up on our time. I can't believe we've we've been talking as long as we have about the subject. And and I I don't want to I don't want to miss anything that you may want to talk about. I know you're an author of several books uh, that we talked about out in your bio. You've got some other things going on. Um, tell us a little bit about the programs that men in the balance have that men in churches could tap into to help their men out. Yeah, it's it's actually Totally
1: uh, lay led. Uh, we like to have the church, I mean, the pastor kick off the sessions or sometimes I'll kick off a session if it's close by. But the important thing is that it's somebody in the church, a man who decides that a program like this is needed and picks five or six other guys, to have a meeting. We provide the curriculum. Um, and it's all discussion led, so there's not much to do except ask provocative questions oh. and get guys talking, and um, and so that's that's basically the core of the program. Uh, we have done some conferences and those kind of things, but the bread and butter is the small group meetings. And of course, COVID has really hurt that. Uh, we've done some with uh, Zoom, but Zoom is not the same thing as meeting pers- person in no. person. So I'm I'm really looking forward to when we can open back up again and have these meetings. I mean, you know, of course, the difficulty there is finding the time and uh, space that works for men. Uh, Men have very complicated lives. And like you said, they get, you know, uh, they get feedback from their wife. They're not spending enough time at home. And yet they're taking this time away for themselves. And they feel guilty about that. So, you know, it's a really complicated mix. But, um, but in answer to your question, I, I didn't write these books. I think the men wrote these books. I've got one called Ten Lessons for Men, uh, and one called How to Become a Man in Balance, and one called The Best of Men in Balance, which is sort of a compilation of some of the uh, podcasts and articles I've written and everything. But I just want to say to men, those are free at Men in Balance. Just call and ask for those three books that Jerry talked about, I I don't make any money off of them. I give the money back to the organization, but I just think there's resources out there for men. And you don't have to tell anybody you're reading that book. (laughs) You don't have to tell anybody you ask this question. Um, You can just pick it up and learn something, and and uh, and start behaving differently at home. So I I, I tell men, you know, this is Mike. This is so simple. I said, do you? Kiss your wife good night. <laughs> Most men say no. And especially if I'm in a bad mood. You know, <laughs> do you tell her you love her? That's when day? you need to kiss her good night. <laughs> yeah, do you tell her you love her? No, no. Well, just make it a habit. Just one night before you go to bed, uh, kiss her good night and say I love you and see what her reaction is. And <laughs> I mean it's such a mind-blowing experience for the woman, they don't know what to do with it. But uh, you know, all of a sudden they're on to something that they can do a concrete specific thing they can do to improve the situation. And so that, yeah, that's man, what man, I find.
0: Uh, you know, one of the things I do lately these days I'm talking about doing little, just little things like that is um, I do a lot of the cooking these days for, for dinner and for supper and so forth. And my wife helps out sometimes and, and uh, sometimes we're in the kitchen together, but um uh, somewhere after supper, when we were getting the dishes together, I said, Good job, babe. You did a good job. And she'll look at me, so well, I didn't do any of the cooking. I said, Yeah, but if you hadn't bought the stuff when you went to the grocery store, I couldn't have done the cooking. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's a partnership. <laughs> so, isn't it? Yep. It's just just those little things sometimes that you need to do, you know, and you're going. Which well, Jerry, if uh, somebody wants to get up with uh, Men in Balance uh, to learn more about what you do and to, or maybe even to, uh, uh, connect with you on starting a, a program in their church that uh, men in balance program in their church how would they do that yeah well
1: the easy way is to go to the website meninbalance.org m-e-n-i-n-b-a-l-a-n-c dot org uh, you can sign up for the newsletter there you can sign up for your church to do a group you can you can actually get on my calendar you just click a button and get on my calendar for a conversation. And then we'll we'll talk and determine what you need. And if I don't have it, I'll try to find it for you. But, um, you know, we've got uh, books and articles and uh, tapes and videos and everything on the website that uh, even if you don't do anything but just nose around the website, it'd be helpful. And, you know, I feel the same about yours. I mean, just listening to your podcast are really helpful for men. And that's something you can do on the way to work or. You know, uh, sitting in the shop, you know, working on a project or whatever. It's just, I think there are resources out there that can help all of us, men.
0: Oh, there's, 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 there's tons of resources out there. You're absolutely right. That's the reason why I, this podcast that I do, intentional conversations, got started is to help help men know all the resources that are out there that they could connect. And if you go to Men in Balance website, I can tell you right now, as I'm looking at it right now, and if you go to the resource library. There's just a ton of information out there that you can look at dealing with various aspects of, of, uh, of a man's life, his, uh, his marriage, his family life, fatherhood, his career, spirituality, even sex and intimacy. We didn't even get into that aspect of it. And there's just so much of it that you you, you can learn and deal with and understanding also what it means to be a man, yeah. what it means to be a man.
1: Can I can I just say one comment to wrap us up here? I, if if I could say one thing to most men, it is that you don't have to keep doing things the way your daddy did or the oh, way yeah. the way other men have taught you to. There is a whole new way of thinking about marriage and uh, personal lives, and just the fact of being a man that can make a huge difference in your life.
0: Amen, amen. Well, folks, I, Jerry, I appreciate you being on the on the program today. You've shared a lot of information. we had we had a good conversation, I believe, on on some of our own personal lives and how it's affected us to minister to men and and uh, and I and I thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom of God. Uh, God is going to greatly reward you that. So, guys out there listening, um, and maybe even some of your wives are that are out there listening to the podcast. Go out there to men in balance. I know you may be a woman, but go out there. You might be able to find something there that can help your husband out to some degree, point him in the right direction. Go to meninbalance.org and uh, to look at, uh, like uh, Jerry said, just kind of, just kind of um, uh, check around on the website and see what's there. Or you can reach out to Jerry at Jerry at Just give him give him a call. Thank you, Jerry, again for for being with us today.
1: Enjoyed it, Mike. Thanks for your time. Okay.
0: So as we close the program, I would encourage you to check out my new book, The Call, A Journey Into Men's Ministry. It's about uh, my call, actually, about going into men's ministry and how that all came about and the things that I have learned over the years about ministering to men. You can find it on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. And once you read the book, I encourage you to leave a uh, review. We would love to hear for you, and it's greatly appreciated. And I thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Salmon. It is a production of Cape Fear Men, a men's ministry organization, which is a 501c3 organization under the, under the auspices of Ministry Lives. And please share this program with a friend. Tell them to get, to get out there and, and look at this and see the upcoming episodes that we we got coming up in the the coming days and weeks and months ahead. If you'd like to give to Cape Fear Men to help us to keep this program going, just go to capefearmen.net and click the donate button up there at the top. It would help us out and we would greatly appreciate it. And you can learn more about what we're doing and the events that we have coming up that Cape Fear Men is sponsoring. But for now, I will leave you with this blessing that a mentor used to pray over me every time after we finished up. He would say, I pray that God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you. So this is Mike Salmon saying God bless, and I hope you will join me again on the next intentional conversation with Mike Salmon.